Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. We talk to people who have struggled and made it through those struggles to move to a point of success in implementing daily personal productivity. This week, I'm talking to Crystal Payne of MoneySavingMom.com. Crystal is a stay-at-home mom who runs a successful business out of her home while homeschooling three kids, and her husband also has his own cell-phoned law firm. In this interview, Crystal challenges you to live beyond the status quo, to believe that you have potential and that you have to know where you're going in order to get there. We talk about discipline, being a good steward of not just money, but everything that we have that we are given as a gift and how to make changes in our lives, one change at a time. This week, it is my privilege to bring to you Crystal Payne of MoneySavingMom.com. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Thanks so much for having me on. Money Saving Mom, obviously wildly popular blog. I am just interested so much in hearing about kind of an overview. You know, how did you get started? Where did your idea behind the mission of the site as well as, you know, your experiences about, you know, stewardship and entrepreneurism, where did that form? What, what's your superhero origin story? Oh, superhero, yeah. Well, I'm not there yet. We're <laughs> still aiming for that. But, okay, so when um, my husband and I got married, we that was 10 years ago, and we committed to stay out of debt while he went through law school. And it was a very audacious goal. But we set this goal because growing up, we'd seen our parents model financial stewardship before us. And so they were really instrumental in motivating and inspiring us to dream big and set our height, our, you know, sights really high. And so we saw them, we saw them, you know, model this before us. And it really inspired us because we saw that by them working really hard and getting out of debt and being wise with their money, they were able to give generously to other people. And we wanted that too. We wanted to be able to provide well for our family, but also we wanted to be able to give generously. And so we started out on this journey, and for the first two and a half years of our marriage, it was really, really hard. Um, It's, you know, it's one thing to say things like, well, I don't know how the ends are going to be, you know, but when you're sitting there and you're looking at that paper and you realize, oh my goodness, there's no way we can pay our rent next week, it's really scary. And the rubber met the road, and we had to get very creative and learn ways to maximize the mileage of our money beyond what we could have ever dreamed of before. And so in the process, um, 
I started this mommy blog because I had my first child and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I started this mommy blog. And one day I mentioned on there that we bought all our groceries for $17 that week. And people started coming out of the woodwork just saying, oh, my goodness, how on earth did you do that? And I realized that a lot of them hadn't had financial stewardship modeled before them. They hadn't had the experience of the mom who, you know, my mom took me to the store. She taught me how to use coupons. She taught me how to live on a budget. She taught me how to create meals based upon that budget. And she taught me all these things. And so I had all these skills going into marriage that I'm so grateful for. And so I started sharing on that blog about supermarket savings and I did a series on that. And then I turned that series into an ebook. And over the course of a few years, I ended up selling thousands of those and people just kept coming and asking more questions and more questions. And so after a number of months of praying and just really thinking what God would have us to do with this, um, we started MoneySavingMom.com in 2007, and we didn't know that the economy was going to tank. We had no idea that coupons were going to become in vogue, um, but it was just kind of like being at the right place at the right time. And within a year, we were making a full-time income off of this blog, and it's just continued to grow beyond what we could have ever imagined. That is awesome, and you're helping so many people. What's the mission of the site? Well, the mission of the site, it started out initially, I just wanted to give people really practical ways they could save money. So many of my readers, they were doing the Dave Ramsey thing, and they were all excited about getting out of debt and getting their finances in order. But the moms wanted to be able to do something, and they felt like, well, we want to stay home with our kids. We can't go out and get a full-time job, but we we want to be able to do something. And so I was just trying to give them very, very practical things that they could do. So it started with matching coupons with deals and showing people how they could get things for free at the store, how they could, you know, make things from scratch, use their freezer, um, cut on different costs in their home and things like that. But in the process, I found that there were so many women who were coming and they were saying, you know, I want to cut my grocery bill. We want to get out of debt, but I am just trying to survive over here. I can't even imagine adding one more thing to my plate. And so I realized that there were so many deeper issues that I that I needed to address before we could get to the part of helping them with cutting their grocery bill and those practical things. And so I started writing more on things of getting your life in order, using your time well, living life on purpose, living with intention, goal setting, things like that. And I've just been blown away by how it has resonated with people and how people are implementing these things and it is changing their life. I mean, it's turning their lives upside down, you know, and all around. And it's just, it, I mean, it gives me goosebumps to read these emails and have these people come and say, you know, you have saved our lives, you've transformed our marriage. And it's just, it's an amazing, an amazing place to be. And I'm just excited to give people hope and practical help. That's awesome. There's such a great feeling when you get somebody who just shares with you what something you've done and what an impact it's had on their life. Yes, and it's really, it's humbling. And I just feel, you know, it's just all the glory to God because he can use empty, broken vessel to make all sorts of mistakes for his glory and to bless other people. So I, I see you moving on, not moving on, but, uh, you know, broadening, I guess is a better term, to not just helping people become better stewards of their money, but you're helping them 
be better stewards in general. And, and I think that's one of the things people – they hear the word steward or stewardship and they think, oh, that's got to do with money or, or, when, or if they're a church-going person, they think, oh, that means we got to give money to the church. We got to tithe. But stewardship is really taking care of what we've been gifted with. And I mean, at least that's my perspective. And and so I wonder what else are you maybe broadening your message to talk about in terms of stewardship? Well, I think it's really important that, you know, doing our money on purpose, stewarding our money well, is very important. But that's just one facet of our life. And so I am trying to challenge women or anyone who wants to read my site to think beyond the status quo, because I think so much of the time we get stuck in feeling like, well, this is just the way it is, and this is just how everyone lives, and we're not living our lives with intention and purpose. We're just stuck in survival mode, and so I really try to challenge people to move beyond that, because I believe that you are made for more, and you have so much potential, you just have to be willing to do some hard things, and be disciplined, and set goals and work toward them step by step by little step. And over time, you're going to transform life. You're so passionate about goal setting. What's kind of your, your, your why and your how behind doing that? Well, I believe one of the important things is really we have to know where we're going if we want to get anywhere. You know, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. And if we don't have something that we are shooting for, we're just going to be kind of running around in circles, going nowhere with our life. And so I just really try to challenge women, especially stay-at-home moms and, you know, people who maybe they aren't in the corporate world, they're not getting all those great leadership gurus coming in and, you know, giving me these impassioned speeches or, you know, reading these leadership books or something, because moms need to set goals too. And, I think that we can all benefit from steady goals. And the reason is, is because we want to have something that we're aiming for. I mean, everyone, I hope, wants to improve their life. But we can set these, you know, we can have these big ambitions. And yet, if we don't write those down and set specific goals, we're not ever going to get anywhere. And so I encourage people to set specific goals, put them in writing, paste them someplace where it's a very conspicuous place. And then break those goals down into bite-sized pieces. You know, so if you want to pay off, let's say you want to pay off $10,000 in debt over the next two years, break that down into, you know, what is the yearly number that you need to hit, 5000 Break that down into the monthly number and the weekly number and maybe even the daily number. And so that gives you a very, very specific thing that you're aiming for. And the longer does it become this huge, massive, overwhelming goal, but it's a very specific bite-sized piece that you can chip away at day after day after day. And it might feel like you're not really making a lot of progress, but all those tiny little baby steps that you're taking over time are going to add up to a huge, huge progress. Yeah, that's so true. And it's hard to see the you know the big scale progression as you go but it's some and that's why i would almost say it's one of those things where you kind of you know keep a measurement keep where you started say look we were here and uh you know months in if you're doing you're looking at a daily number that you know for example you've paid off you can say look we've already done this much now yeah we've got this huge mountain still left to to climb or pay off but look at how much we've already done and and maybe celebrate that is there any examples of maybe goals you've done and maybe mini celebrations along the way you've done? 
Yes, well, um, obviously from the Hudson to go through law school debt-free, that was a huge goal that we set and really feeling like we don't know how this is going to happen. And I just remember that day that he got his paper in the mail that said that he had passed the bar. It was just, I mean, beyond gratifying. We had very little money in the bank at that point, but we had done it. And it was so exciting to actually have walked through that when it was very hard and we were the only people we knew in law school that were doing this and making a lot of sacrifices. It was very hard, but it was so good. And we learned so much through that time. And one of the things that I was going to mention that's been very helpful to us is we we write down goals at the beginning of the year in each area of our life. So for, we write down marriage goals. We write down business goals. We write down goals for our children. We write down personal goals, fitness goals. We write them down just and very specific, realistic goals and, you know, maybe just three to five in each category and then breaking those down. And then we set monthly goals and I write those down. And then I actually set 10 weekly goals every week that I post on my blog. And then the following Monday, I write and share how I did on those goals. And that public accountability has been so extremely helpful because I know that I have to check in every Monday and tell the world how I did on those 10 goals. But it's, it makes it more realistic to break it down that way. And so that it's not like I have these 25 goals that I'm trying to do. I just have these 10 simple goals each week that are helping me get to where I want to get by the end of the year. Yeah. Breaking it down is so much more practical and makes it much more manageable and less daunting. But also, I admire the fact that you're putting it out there on the blog because it's kind of like an accountability. It's major accountability. I've done that with a lot of areas in my life. Whenever I am really slacking of Mary, like getting up early, you know, post, I posted my alarm clock every single day, what time I got up for a whole month. And just things like that are so helpful because you need accountability. If you want to be successful at goal setting, you need to have an accountability partner, whether that's posting on your Facebook page every day, you know, how much, how far you ran or what time you got up or whatever it is that you're working on. Um, you know, you need that accountability. If it's not in the form of an actual accountability partner, then you need to find a way to be accountable online or in some other way. Because just writing on, the, you know, on a paper and putting it on your refrigerator, it just doesn't have the same motivation that it does when you know that you have to check in with somebody. Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline. In fact, you wrote a book. 21 Days to More Discipline. What was the catalyst for you writing that book? And then how have you integrated that book into your goal setting and in your business and family life? Well, okay, so I wrote the ebook 21 Days to More Discipline Life based upon a blog series that I done. And it was this very exact same thing that we're just talking about where I was struggling with discipline in my life. I was just feeling like, I'm getting up at all different times, and I'm not using my time wisely, and it just really felt like I'd fallen off the bandwagon. This was, I think, about two and a half years ago, and I just came on my blog, and I said, you guys, I need the public accountability here, so for the next 21 days, I'm going to be blogging about discipline and what I'm learning and how I'm doing and the mistakes that I'm making. And I'm also going to set one goal and that is that I'm going to get up at the same time and go to bed at the same time for the next 21 days. And so to help me with the public accountability, I posted what time I went to bed and what time I got up for the next for 21 days. And that was extremely helpful. It was the first time that I'd really 
put myself out there like that, and it was embarrassing. And I was like, you know, I was supposed to go to bed. I don't even know what time it was that I had committed to, but that would be in bed, you know, 25 minutes late. I had to sort of give a reason. And if I got up late, I had to kind of give a reason or apologize. And it was just so helpful to me. And I realized that by making, setting that one goal, making that one change for three weeks, it changed so many other areas of my life, too. It had this trickle-down effect in so many other areas. And I think sometimes we try to overhaul our lives overnight, and we usually then crash and burn because you can't implement 35 different changes at once. It doesn't work. And so I challenge people, you know, pick one thing, one thing that's going to have a big impact and do that for three to six weeks and just focus on that one thing because the thing you'll oftentimes find is discipline begets discipline. And so when you work on discipline in one area, a lot of times it's going to help you be disciplined in other areas. So when you're getting up early, a lot of times then you're going to be more productive in the morning and you're going to go out and have that morning run and you're going to you know clean your house or whatever it is in the early morning. And it's just because you made that one step in the right direction, then a lot of other steps in the right direction follow. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Definitely. And and I can definitely attest to that being the case with me, whether it's been, you know, doing the early to rise challenge, which I guess that's probably a good place where we could talk about that. You You were just doing that. Friend Andy Traub, who I'm so proud of him doing a debt-free scream on Dave Ramsey's show and writing and then publishing, self-publishing and making a ton of money on Kindle, on Amazon. His book, Early to Rise, 31 Days to you know, Rising Early and everything. And now he's actually starting a series. He's doing one for moms, which is going to be really awesome. I need to get that for my wife when it comes out. But um, you were doing that challenge and you were a real you know, advocate for that book. What was your experience with that again this time around, getting up early and, and working with that? Yes, well, so this time around, after um, Andy had sent me a copy of his book, and I get a lot of ebooks from people, and um, but when I read his, I was so inspired. He didn't ask me to do anything with it, but after I read it, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this challenge, and I'm going to invite all my blog readers to do it with me. And so thousands of us did it together, and we posted our alarm clocks every morning on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and it was highly motivational and it was so helpful. And I think the actual physical posting of my clock every morning was huge because it was just right there. I mean, I couldn't deny if I'd gotten up late, you know, 
pretty obvious <laughs> right there on my blog and on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. And people are waiting for it every morning. And But it was so good because just getting back into that habit, I hadn't been, I hadn't done such a great job of getting up early consistently for a few months. And so doing it every single morning, I got so much done last month. I was just amazed at my productivity. And it just once again reminded me of why I shouldn't fall off the bandwagon because I'm a lot more productive when I'm disciplined. Weren't you working on another book during that time? Is that true? Yes, I was working on edits for my second book. And so one of the weeks I got up at 3 a.m. Oh. to work edits. Um, that was a little bit too early. But <laughs> you know, actually, my editor, though, he's very type A and he's very committed to my book. And he, when he did the edits on my book, he got up at two and three every morning. And you can see on the sidebar, like when he was making notes, you know, you'd see it's like at three thirty in the morning. And so after he sent me back, sent it back to me, and I realized the sacrifices that he'd made to edit it well for me, I kind of felt like, you know, I better up the ante here a little bit. So he kind of inspired me for that. But three a.m. is a little bit too early for me. I figured that out. Yeah, only get up that early if you have a kid that really needs you. <laughs> 5 a.m. is a good time for me, yeah, so yeah. I try to go for that. Yeah. You mentioned not trying to, you know, overload all the change in your life and maybe pick one. What would you say to somebody who says, well, but I've got all these different areas that, like, if I only focus on one, I'm still going to be, you know, stressed out or whatever from all these other ones? Well, I think the encouraging thing for people to realize is sometimes you think, yeah, well, I I need to change 15 things yesterday. I mean, that's how out of whack my life is. But if you commit to change one thing, even just every three months, that's four changes in a year. And over 10 years, that's 40 changes in your life. And so it might feel like you're just barely making any change, but over time, it's going to add up to very significant change. And so I just challenge people, you know, pick the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference and, you know, focus on that, whether for you it's getting up early or whether it's exercising or whether it's, you know, focusing on not using your credit card or, or whatever area of your life that you feel like this is the one area that is dragging all the other areas down. Focus on that area first. And as you come up with all these other ideas of things that you want to change, write them down. Keep a running list. And once you've implemented that one thing, you feel like this has become a habit, which means it just happens without you really thinking much about it. It just happens. It's a habit. Then add in the next one. And make that one a habit. But don't go too quickly because you're going to crash and burn. And so just slow and steady, slow and steady. That's what really makes the difference versus trying to do everything at once and then ending up, you know, back then worse than you started because you just crashed and burned. Oh, that's so good. And I'm going to just give a confession. I was asking that question for myself because that's how I feel personally is just, you know, I want to change all these different things yesterday, like you said. And I really do realize it's like, okay, there's there's one thing that I need to change first. And as I finish that, I'll move on to the next. And if I get a gnawing like itch to work on other habits that need to be worked on, I'll write them down and I'll maybe even – put them in an order, but I won't move on to them just yet. Let me ask you this. How would you maybe prioritize which thing to start with? 
Well, I think one of the things is think about what is the one thing that's dragging you down. You know, what is the one area in your life that you feel like this is kind of the straw that's breaking the camel's back? What is it? And maybe it's something that you just need to eliminate from your life altogether or you need to validate it to somebody else. You know, maybe it's just something like that. But there are some things like keystone habits, things that are really going to make a big, big impact. I would say things like using your morning hours well, that's going to set your whole day up for success. And so even if you can just get up 15 minutes earlier and make a plan for your day, I mean, just something simple like that, 15 minutes or even five minutes to plan your day, that can make a huge difference on your productivity and how you use your time during the day and how much you get done. So something simple like that, it might only just take five minutes but it might mean that you have, you know, five hours that are spent better because of that five minutes you took. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I've experienced, at least. Uh, at least the days that are the better days are the ones where I've started it off much better. So speaking of which, the question I do ask every guest or most of the guests is, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Well, usually I start my day fairly ideally because the morning I have found that if I don't start my day well, my whole day is ruined. And because of I'm juggling a lot of balls right now, I can't really have my whole day ruined. Every day matters and every day counts. And so I every once in a while am not, you know, do get up at seven o'clock, which is very late for me, but usually I get up at five and I spend 30 minutes, I read my Bible, I pray, and I read a chapter or two from whatever nonfiction um, leadership or stretching um, books that I'm reading to kind of help me, motivate me out of my comfort zone. So do that and my coffee. Very, very important to have the coffee with that. Oh, yeah. And then I usually blog or write for an hour or two and then hop on the treadmill. And while I'm doing my warm-up walk on the treadmill, I read another chapter from my book and then I listen to music, get myself all pumped up for the day, and then go take my shower, and then it's my day has started. My kids are up, and it's time to go. Now, obviously, there's going to be days where maybe a kid needs you or gets up early, and that kind of, I guess, derail is probably a, a word, because you were, you were heading in one direction, and now you had, have to head in another. How do you, you know, accommodate that? Well, I think it's all in your attitude, and you can choose your attitude, I think Andy talks about this in, in his book, and it was, has helped me to think of choosing your attitude, not changing your attitude, but choosing your attitude. You can't always change your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. So when that child gets up early, or you wake up and you're not feeling very well, or you wake up and something happens that you have to deal with something right away, you can choose your attitude, and you can choose to say, okay, this is going to be okay. You know, stress is a choice. The things that come into our life, the circumstances, we can't always choose those, but we can choose whether we're going to be stressed or whether we're going to be calm and face whatever it is with a calm attitude. Now, when my children get up early, which they do sometimes, I just invite them to come sit by me or if I'm running, they just come sit sit right by the treadmill and play something next to me. It's just 
they just join in with whatever I'm doing and sit next to me and we just get some extra time together and I'm really okay with that. It's nice to have it be quiet, but I never expect it to be quiet because then if they wake up, I'm frustrated. So expect the unexpected and choose to have a good attitude and it will change your whole perspective on life. That's excellent advice. Um, So you're running a successful business mostly out of your home and yet you're also homeschooling your three kids and I'd love to hear maybe some of the structures or boundaries that your family's put in place to to make this all work. I think the biggest thing is I have an amazing team who works for me and I delegate everything that I can possibly delegate and I've figured out which things that I do best and which things that only I can really do. And those are the things that I spend my computer and blog time on. And I delegate everything else that I possibly can. So I have a full-time assistant who helps with everything, anything that needs to be done in my day, she will help with. And that's been tremendously helpful so that I can focus on my marriage, my kids, and the business. Those are the three big rocks in my life right now. And also making sure that I'm nurturing myself as a person. And so for me to just have those big rocks, make sure that those are what I'm wrapping my time and energy and efforts around and letting a lot of other things go and delegating everything that I possibly can. That's what really helps. Awesome. Well, obviously, most people end up having to learn even when they have, you know, great parents who have very well modeled the, you know, financial stewardship like your parents did, you still end up having to learn lessons through failure or struggle. What have been some of kind of the the struggles or failures that you've learned in, you know, balancing or blending all these different roles you have in your life? Yes, I've made so many mistakes. I mean, every any success that I have in my life is the result of standing on a huge pile of failure because it's like my blog that I have now, people, most people don't realize like all the failures that I had, the string of failures and the string of things that I tried before I finally landed on Money Saving Mom. And the two and a half years that I was working crazy hours to try to be a stay-at-home mom, to try to make enough money so I could stay home and barely, barely making anything but just working my tail off to try to, you know, make it work. And so you don't see those things. And um, I think it's important for people to realize that success, there's no such thing as overnight success. That's an oxymoron. It doesn't happen. Um, And so it's important to accept and embrace failure because it's going to come. I've done a lot of things, even in just the last few years, some stuff that I've tried that's just really, really bombed on its face, you know? And to be okay with that, to just be like, well, okay, that didn't that didn't work. What can I learn from that so that in the future I don't make those same mistakes again? And I just had a situation um, come up. I can't really give the old details, um, but where I, I made some really major mistakes, and I have licked my wounds from it and um, my husband and I, you know, we sat down and we talked about it just last week and I was saying, well, I made some really big mistakes in this and what can I learn for the future? And we talked about it and I was, I tried to have a positive view of it because it was, it was, you know, discouraging to realize these big mistakes that I've made and how much it was going to cost me because of these mistakes. And yet to realize that, well, it's going to save me some 
from maybe even costlier mistakes. And so just to realize that that is done is a good thing. And as long as you pick yourself back up and look and say, what can I learn from that for the future? But in my, but just to give you a specific example, a few years ago, I was working too many hours and I was, I'd taken way too much on my plate and I wasn't delegating and I wasn't deleting things from my life. And my health deteriorated, my marriage deteriorated, and my home was a mess, and I was just barely, barely surviving. And things were really bad, and it came to a point of my husband really having to look at me and say, you know, you are choosing to say yes to all these things. You're choosing to bring this on yourself. And so then, therefore, you can also choose to say no. And he really, it was really hard for me, but he helped me to realize that I was the problem but I was also the solution. And so kind of hitting rock bottom in my life where things were spinning out of control. And it took me six months of just deleting a lot of things, saying no. Um, you know, I had to get off of Skype and social media and I shut down my Facebook and um, just saying no to all these things I was involved in and then bringing on a lot more help and just really setting boundaries for myself of what was, wise and, you know, things like shutting the computer down and turning my phone off and things like that so that I could really find that breathing room and white space in my life again so that I could get myself and my relationships in a very healthy place. That's great. Yeah, we all need to do that. That's one of the things that I'm actually kind of tinkering and writing about right now in my personal stuff. So, and you mentioned your husband, and I would love to ask. I know you ha- you have a team for the business. How does the you know team you and your family? How does that work? How, do you have like family quote unquote business meetings to kind of keep in check there? Um, my husband is very. He also is self employed, and he has his own law firm. And so I think our the dynamics of our home are very different than maybe what you consider to be like normal family dynamics. I don't know if there is such a thing, but, (laughs) uh, you know, there's a lot of give and take where sometimes, you know, last week he had court, night court, and so he was gone until 9 p.m., and so I was obviously taking care of the children until later in the night, and usually he does bedtime, and, um, but then I've been working on my book, and so some nights I'll need to go and edit for two hours or something. So then, but we talk about it ahead of time. And so one of the things that's been really helpful is we have a plan for the day. And so if, if I know that I have an extra project, I'm, we're going to talk about it ahead of time. I can't just bring it on him at the last minute. We've made a commitment to that, that I don't just, when he gets home, say, I'm sorry, but I got to skip dinner tonight. You know, I, I don't do that. I have to, we have to have agreed to it ahead of time that one or the other of us is going to, you know, be working on a project at night. And we try to keep that to a minimum so that our family time at night is our priority. And we, we don't do a perfect job of it, but because we're both self-employed, it's really helpful because we see our kids so much more because we have flexible schedules. And so that's been really helpful, but we do a lot of give and take and we're very involved in the decisions of each other's businesses, but neither one of us is very involved in the day-to-day of each other's businesses. And the reason is, is because we want to make sure that our marriage 
stand strong and that you're not so engrossed in business stuff that every time we want to have a conversation or go on a date, it becomes a business meeting. Oh, that's that's hard to do. For I can say from personal experience, I personally will say that sometimes I just talk. I end up defaulting and, and being a bad husband and talking business on a date. And I hate when I do that, but I do it too much. So, One of the things that has been really helpful for us is because I'm the talker in our relationship and I like to talk through everything. There's a lot of things going on right now and decisions that need to be made and opportunities that have come up. And so we made a thing where I can have a 30-minute business meeting with my husband every day. And so I can kind of choose when that's going to be. So usually it's when he's on his way home from work and I'll say, okay, can we have a 30-minute business meeting now? So that's when we talk through all the business stuff and then we're done. And so then it's like, okay, the business meeting's over. Now it's time to go back to our life, our non-business life. And so yeah. that's been really helpful for me to kind of have those boundaries around it so it's not um, just like encroaching and just kind of wrapping itself around every single part of our life. Yeah. And, that, and I assume that's his commute time home, right? Yes. That's a great way to, to use that, to, to get that out of the way and, and get you on the same page before you enter into to family time. That's great. Um, so aside from all these things, you've also been working with a speaking coach to improve your speaking skills. And so that's obviously a great investment in yourself and the future of the business as well. Um, talk a little bit about that process. What led you to think to do that? And you know, what other areas do you think maybe you'll invest in in the future? Well, I just feel like it's important that we are constantly growing as individuals. And so that's one of the reasons that I read a lot. I, I set a goal actually to read 150 books this year, um, which sounds to me three years ago, I would have thought I was crazy because I was barely reading maybe 45 books in a year. But I've challenged myself. And as I challenged myself to read more, I found more opportunities. Like I talked about on the treadmill and first thing when I get up in the morning and finding those times to read to improve my mind and to be challenging myself so that I'm not stuck in the status quo. Um, also surrounding myself with wise mentors. I have an accountability mentor that I meet with once a week, and she is someone who is much um, 10 years ahead of me, at least in the business world and kind of the, dire- the direction that it seems like we're heading with the business. And she just pours into my life and gives me so much wise counsel. And um, that has been extremely helpful. And then meeting people who, you know, taking time to network with people and learn from them, sit at their feet and just learn from what is working for them and what isn't working for them. Um, that's been very helpful for me as well. And so then, the speaking coach, um, I these opportunities kept coming up for me to do public speaking. Places were asking me to come and speak, and it was something I never ever would have thought that I would do. But as opportunities kept opening up, my husband and I prayed about it and felt like, okay, well, we're going to try this. And so we tried it a few times, and just I actually ended up really realizing that I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I was very good at because it's a craft that needs to be honed. And so I went to a speaking conference in January of this year and met a speaking coach there who worked with me at that conference and just really fell in love with her and how she worked with me there. And so we hired her to help me with all of my speech writing and just 
helping me learn how to craft a speech well. And then once we get past that point, then she's been going to be working with me on helping to deliver the speech well. So there's so many processes of um, just writing and delivering a speech and then learning and have a long way to go, but it's been so helpful to have someone with a lot of experience come alongside me and really speak into me and rip apart my stuff and critique it so that I can improve. That's great. Well, I, if it if it helps, let me give you this compliment. You're, you've been one of the better guests for me in terms of you can just talk. Like, you, you're you on it. So take that to heart, please. Well, my husband would say that I, I'm never at a lack of, don't lack words. So that's not something that I have a problem with. Mostly I need to learn to shut up. So right. work Lear, on that. Learn where the pauses are and maybe the transitions. But, yeah, you're you're well on your way. So... Um, well, oh, very kind. yeah, thank you. So I guess nearing our time here, I'd love to, for people who have never checked out your blog or find you online, I'd love for them to go check out what you're doing as well as to check out, you know, your, your book on Amazon. I'm going to put links to all your stuff in the show notes, but where can people find you online? Okay. So my blog is moneysavingmom.com and I'd love to have people come check it out. I just try to make it a one-stop shop for people who are interested in doing their money well. I give you um, skills and practical advice, money-saving tips. I will show you things that I'm failing at and successes and just challenging you to not be stuck in the status quo, to set goals and to improve your life and to live your life with purpose and intention. So, there's a lot of things we talk about, but I try to make it so that everybody can hopefully come away with you know, one little nugget or something that's helpful to them every day. Um, I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash moneysavingmom, twitter.com slash moneysavingmom, and Pinterest, it's pinterest.com slash msmblog, because moneysavingmom was already taken. Nice. <laughs> I mean, not nice, but still, <laughs> I'm glad you're on all these different sites. Well, Crystal, it's been great to talk with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Crystal Payne for coming on the show. It was great to speak with you. If this is your first episode, you're in a good spot because that means you've got tons of previous episodes out there for you, waiting for you for free to go download. So go check those out and subscribe at beyondthetodolist.com or in iTunes at beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. And if you've benefited from this episode at all, or other episodes, let us know by going to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes and writing a comment or a review there for us. And we will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts at noodle.mx.